Amen. The Bible said the poor is hated even of his own neighbor, but the rich hath many friends. He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. Do they not err that devise evil, but mercy and truth shall be to them that devise good? In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. The crown of the wise is their riches, but the foolishness of fools is folly. Let's pray to heavenly. Father, Lord, we thank you again for tonight. Lord, thank you for another privilege, Lord, just to meet together. Thank you, Lord, for allowing uh, our past to cross with the Grover family tonight, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, our church can be a blessing and a help and an encouragement to them, Lord. Uh, Lord, as they leave out tonight, Lord, I just pray, Lord, they would just be thankful and grateful, Lord, that there's churches along the way, Lord, that are just encouragements and blessings. And, Lord, they're praying and helping out, Lord. I know that not every church is like that, Lord. Not every experience is that way. And I just thank you, Lord, for an opportunity, Lord, to be a blessing and a help, Lord. And I pray that you help us to do that with anybody that passes through this way, Lord, that is desiring to serve you and live for you. We pray, Lord, tonight as we get into the word of God, to the preaching tonight, would you have me behind the cross of Calvary, God, empty out myself, Lord, fill me with the spirit of God. Just use me for your glory tonight. Lord, we still need wisdom. We still need uh, your, your, your understanding, your knowledge, your teaching, and your help tonight. Lord, we cannot do this thing alone, Lord, nor do I desire to do so. I pray, Father, you just help us one more time tonight. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. How many of y'all still need wisdom? All right, good thing, because we're still in the book of Proverbs, amen. And uh, we were going about a chapter a week, and now we've just slowed down, and we won't be out of Proverbs 14 again. We might be out of it next week, I don't know. Uh, but the Lord does, amen. I've just enjoyed it, just taking little by little. But we see some words tonight here in verses 20 through 24, uh, and the, we see a comparison and a contrast between the rich and the poor. Now, that's a classical division of just about time, really, that there's always been this division and dividing factor between the rich and the poor, the haves and the have-nots. And it tends to cause resentment, right? Those that have not resent those that have, and those that have resent those that have not. Those that are rich uh, dislike those that are poor, and those that are poor dislike those that are rich. If you've worked any job any amount of time, you know that those who are the hourly workers don't like the managers, and the managers can't seem to get enough out of the hourly workers. And it just goes back and forth, back and forth. But we, we see this tonight, that the the poor dislike the rich simply because they're rich, and the rich dislike the poor simply because they're poor. But there are some those that, that break those stereotypical modes. There are the rich that they don't they are, but they don't live like it. You'll, we'd say it around this way: Listen, they got money, but they don't act like it, right? They 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 are they are rich, but they're they're good people in the sense. And then there 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 are those that are poor tonight, and they don't live. They don't have two dimes to rub together, but they're happy and they're joyful, and everything just seems wonderful tonight. They both acknowledge what they are, but they do not allow that to define who they are. And the reality is, and I, I know where I pastor, and I, I know the majority of the social economic makeup of our area, and I, I know tonight that our church isn't full of millionaires. If it is tonight, you're really good at hiding it. And the reality is tonight, we probably come from the lower end of the spectrum tonight, but the reality is, what I'm not talking about tonight is, is physical richness and poorness tonight, but really we're going to look at it in a spiritual sense tonight, and the reality tonight concerning me and you, no matter what we have in our wallet, no matter what we have in our bank account, no matter what we have in our, our savings account tonight, and our retirement funds, if you're saved by the grace of God, you are rich. 
You're rich tonight. As, as a Christian, we have been both poor and rich, spiritually speaking. Don't you remember what it was like when you were poor outside the grace of God? You had no hope. You had no help. You had nothing that you could do. You couldn't figure it out. And then God saved you. And you didn't just become a millionaire. You became a joint heir with Christ. The reality of that tonight is that means that everything that is God's or that is promised to Christ is now promised to you. You are a joint heir with him. And he's already said it tonight. He owns a cattle of a thousand hills and the hills thereof tonight. And I heard a preacher say there's a lot of money in that beef, but there's a lot of diamonds in the ground as well. And so we, I'm thankful tonight that he owns all of that and the reality tonight is you and I are rich. Now the question is, what are we doing with our richness? I went from being a poor sinner to a rich joint heir. I went from a father who robbed me with lies. The Bible says Satan is the father of lies to a father who owns it all tonight. I, I'm rich. I don't know about you tonight, but I'm rich in Christ Jesus. And so with this truth in mind tonight, let's look at this relationship between the rich and the poor. Notice number one tonight, we see a proper attitude, verses 20 through, 20 through 22 tonight. The, the, look what it says right there in verse number 20. It says, the poor is hated even of his own neighbor. Now, I've lived in the subdivision, and right now I currently live right next to my in-laws. Can I say I've seen a lot of things from my neighbors, but it's never crossed my heart to say I hate them. And we see here tonight, the Bible, well, what an interesting phrase here, that the poor is hated even of his own neighbor. But the poor can't become the, but they can become a burden. They are constantly in need and want. Let me illustrate it this way tonight. How many days in a row can I come to you and say, hey, I need a hold $20. Let me borrow $20. Well, the first, oh, preacher, no problem. That, that I'll, I, I'll do that for you. But then I come the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And I, I, just, need, I just need $20. Let me get $20. Finally, you'd say, preacher, you got to go somewhere. You've taken all of my $20. But once again, we're not talking of physical needs, but spiritual. Spiritual needs tonight. Remember, we are rich in Christ, not meant to be merely popular. Look at verse number 20. It says, and the rich hath many friends. And it's easy in the Christian life to look at those who are outside of the grace of God who are spiritually poor and we can point out all their flaws, all their failures and all of that kind of stuff tonight and step back and say I mean I know I was a sinner but I wasn't that bad and I, I wasn't that far gone like they are and, and let me go hang out with my, 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 my Christian friends and let's look at the poor and despise them and talk bad about them. We see tonight the proper attitude is not one that we, we look at those who need Christ and, and step back and say, well, I mean, they need the Lord. I don't know where they're going to find them at. Can I say tonight that you and I, and, uh, we are the hope of this world. It is Christ, but Christ dwells in us. We have the gospel tonight, and if we get together and we shout about it and we sing about it and we praise about it and we worship about it, but we never take it out of here to a lost and dying world to a poor and needy people, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. As much as I love going to church, as much as I love singing, as much as I love raising my hand and saying amen, as much as I enjoy what we do in here, if my Christianity stops at those doors back there, I don't have much of it. And we see here tonight the proper attitude for those who are rich are not to look down upon the poor, 
but to, in essence to have pity upon them and to, to see them as we once were. I don't know about you tonight, but when God saved me, he didn't save somebody who had it all together. He didn't save somebody who had had it all figured out. He saved somebody that was poor and needed Christ. We are to use our richness in Christ to help those who are poor without him and not to do so according to verse number 21 would be sin. Look at verse number 21. He that despiseth his neighbor, what? Sinneth. That's strong language, isn't it? See, we oftentimes look at the Great Commission and, uh, and our call and our command to share the gospel as an opportunistic thing. In essence, uh, I know I'm supposed to, but I didn't take advantage of the opportunity that God gave me today, and I just missed my opportunity. Now, we've got to take this thing down to the nuts and bolts. And I, we are commanded to share the gospel. We are instructed to share the gospel. And any time you and I do not do what we are instructed to do or commanded to do, what is that called? Disobedience. And now tonight, none of us would argue that disobedience is a sin. Matter of fact, we teach that to our children. You need to obey mama and daddy because we have, we, we desire the best for you. We want the best for you. We're raising you. We're teaching you. And if you disobey, that is sin. And we leave that lesson down there with the, the six and seven year olds and don't apply it to our life tonight, but God and his word kind of makes it clear to us tonight that when you and I disobey the command that we've been given, when the Holy Spirit nudges and leads you to say, hey, go share the gospel with them, stand up and tell somebody about Jesus, and you say, oh, not today. It's just not a missed opportunity. Sin. Well, that's hard, but it's right. It's hard. It's not popular to tell it that way. And as I was studying that, I said, oh, Lord, you're right. It's to be sin. Also, it's to be erroneous. Look at verse number 22. Do they not err that devise evil? Do they not err that devise evil? Treating the poor badly is not the right answer. Tonight, I think we're coming to a head in American Christianity where those, uh, there's this idea that only those that, that really love the Lord are the people out on the front lines making all the sinners mad and telling them how terrible they are and telling them how messed up they are and getting in an argument with them and, and, and trying, in essence, trying to fight them theologically and, 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 and with information, all that kind of stuff. But the reality is tonight, when we look at those people that we know are outside of the grace of God, and we don't have to do an in-depth study, amen, those that are living in sin it quickly takes an effect, not just on their life, but even their de 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 demeanor, even their countenance. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. You can see that in them. It's obvious. And instead of having a heart of gratitude and a heart of compassion towards them, we become condescending. We, we feel like if we point out their flaws, we're doing God a service. Let, let me tell you how bad you are. Tonight, you don't have to tell a dog his leg is broke. He knows it. Tonight we ought to have a heart that says, you know what? 
I've got all this richness. I've got all these riches in Christ Jesus. And God didn't give us his riches so we could sit up here like Ebenezer Scrooge and count it all and, and say, look what I've got. Look what I've accomplished. Look what God's given me. The reality is those blessings tonight that God gives us is what enables us to go to those who need them and share the gospel with them. I mean, it would be erroneous to have that kind of attitude. So we say that to not to do so would be sin, to be erroneous. But notice this, to do so would produce happiness. Look at verse number 21. But he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. I tell you what, preacher, I just ain't been happy lately. I mean, we're getting ready to Thanksgiving, and I'm not sure if I can have a happy Thanksgiving. I might just be having Thanksgiving. I mean, I just haven't been happy. And the danger of pursuing happiness in of itself and alone by itself is that happiness oftentimes is tied to a circumstance. It's tied to a season of life. And we always think that a lot of times it's something that has to be given to us in order for us to be happy. But here the Bible said, hey, here's a key to happiness. It's when you go and find those who are poor without Christ and you extend that hand of mercy to them and you begin to see God working in their heart and God working in their life and God drawing them unto himself and that produces happiness. Let me ask you, have you ever led anybody to the Lord and been mad that God saved them? I tell you what, preacher, I, I, was, I was sharing the gospel with them and then all of a sudden they started believing and all of a sudden, preacher, they prayed and they asked Jesus Christ into their heart and Jesus said that it made me upset, preacher. It don't work that way. You've ever been in the spiritual birthing room of somebody's life, it's just like the physical one. You get happy. <laughs> you get excited. You get grateful. Brother Jacob, Miss Kate, and little baby Judah are here tonight, and, and I, I can't speak for you. I wasn't in the room, but I can speak for myself when I was there when my children were born into this world. And I mean, I didn't do like back wheels and, and cartwheels and jumping jacks or anything like that, but boy, there was something that came over me when my child came into this world. They were birthed in, and boy, I was, I was nervous, no doubt, I, especially when Raylan was born. I'd never been a daddy before. You mean I need to take this child home with me? <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Where is the instruction manual? <laughs> but I got excited at the same time. What a privilege. What a privilege that God would allow me to, to see this child born of the world, but then to raise this child the same. as What a privilege. Well, I've been in the spiritual birthing rooms and watching people get saved, and it makes me happy. It produces happiness, but also it promotes mercy and truth. Look at verse number 22. Do they not err that devise evil, but mercy and truth shall be to them that devise good. See, a lot of times we, well, I ain't preacher, I ain't devising evil, but let me ask you, are you devising good? Or do you get up every day and say, all right, Lord, you've given me wisdom as according to the scriptures, and Lord, I, I know what the Bible says for uh, salvation and, and what I need to say to people, and Lord, I, I, Lord I, <laughs> I've been conniving, and I've been, I've been scheming some ideas to get the gospel out there. I like it. We were, we were walking through the store the other day, and T.R. had some tracks in his hand, and we were, he was dropping them off in different places in the store, and we came to one of those, it was in the, it was in the aisle, it wasn't uh, the shelf, but there was a little basket right there, and, and he, he walked by, he tossed that thing in there, and he looked at me. 
I said, I seen you, son. Hopefully somebody finds that and they get saved by the grace of God. But hey, let me, when's the last time you said, all right, I know God has commissioned me to share the gospel. And let me sit down and ask the Lord to give me some, some understanding and God give me some ideas on how I can get the gospel to the lost and dying world. I remember hearing a story, brother, I think it was Brother David Gibbs shared it, was telling, he said he was flying with the preacher from one place to another and he said, Brother David Gibbs, we're gonna get on the plane last. If you know Brother David Gibbs, he's a bigger fella. He said, I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, I, I, mean, I wouldn't be able to get into my seat if I, if, I, if I got somebody there. He said, no preacher, we're gonna wait. And he said, I was, I was being polite. I said, okay, well, we'll wait, we'll go on last. And so they begin to board the plane and right before they begin to go on, that pastor took his shirt and he unbuttoned it and pulled it out like this and had a shirt that said, if you wanna to go to heaven, come ask me how. And he said he walked down the aisle of the airplane showing it to everybody. Brother David Gibbs said, me, I, I don't know about that. I'd never seen that done before. And he said, that pastor just walked and he showed everybody that as he was walking, if you wanna to go to heaven, ask me how. Brother David Gibbs said, in my heart, I thought this man has lost his mind. He said, it's never gonna work. He said, until we landed and six people accepted Christ into their heart. You devise, good Lord, help me to get the gospel out there because I know there is somebody that is poor like I once was, spiritually speaking, and I have riches that you've given me and I wanna share it with them. To the proper attitude, let me ask you, do you have the proper attitude concerning the poor? Are they a hindrance or are they someone that you need to share the gospel with? Then notice number two tonight, we see the prosperity of labor. We see the prosperity of labor. Look at verse number 23. In all labor, there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. Penury, I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce that word. But notice here, you, you, you know what they say, right? Rich people don't work. I tell you what, I can't stand those. I can't, I can't stand my boss. He just sits in that office all day long, air conditioned, and he, all, he, he don't even do anything, and they pay him the most around here. Y'all ever heard that before? Y'all ever said that before? <laughs> Amen. Right, but, but here's the reality. Isn't that maybe true in some cases? Some people may be born into a family that has money and they re receive an inheritance, no doubt. But the reality is tonight that most people who are rich, physically speaking, at some point in their life, they've worked. At some point in their life, they, they've put in their effort to achieve that goal. But however, as Christians, we don't work to, to become rich in Christ. Rather, we work because we are rich in Christ. Right, that is the motivation behind it. Our work isn't to become rich, but to work from our richness. See, the, the danger of the Christian life is taking those riches that God has bestowed to us and squandering them or not allowing them to motivate us to labor for Christ. As I study, I couldn't help but think about the prodigal son. Now, you go read that story in the book of Luke and you'll find out that man didn't have one, somebody had two. And the one son squandered his living on riotous, or his, squandered his, his wealth and his good on riotous living. And a lot of times we like to focus on that one. And Boy, we're gonna preach him hot. We're gonna, we're gonna wear him out. We're gonna, all that, that kind of stuff tonight. No doubt that is a common example that we see. But oftentimes we forget about the second son who never left. But notice this, one squandered it in riotous living. One squandered it by not being content with it. Because the, the second son looked at his father and said, I haven't left you. I've never, I've never left the farm. I've never left the house. I've never been bad. You never thrown me a party. Uh, we, we don't, we, the reality is they both seen their father and what their father had as not enough. And the danger is in our Christian life is that sometimes 
if we're not careful, we'll take these riches that God has given us and through our own either fleshly desires or our lack of contentment, we'll squander those things and not use them for the purpose that God gave us to use them. Whatever we do for the Lord, there is profit. What did he say in the, in the Gospels? Even if you give a cup of water in my name, I will not lose your reward. God keeps perfect record. Can I say tonight, there's been a lot of things. I, I lived some of my Christian life trying to please men, trying to get their approval, trying to get their, 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 their stamp on my life to say, Brother Tate is good. You, he is a wonderful Christian. And I found out when I gave them my best, it wasn't good enough. But can I say anything that I've done and given to the Lord, he's taken record of it tonight. We, whatever we do for the Lord, there, there, is, there is profit tonight. But if we, but notice what he says right there in verse number uh, 22, or excuse me, verse number 23, in all labor there is profit, but the talk of lips tendeth only the pernary. And what does that mean, preacher? That means tonight that there is a lot of times we, we know we are supposed to do something, but instead of doing it, we just step back and talk about what we'd like to do. We talk about what we should be doing. I, I, I should be doing this and I should be doing that. But here's the thing, talk doesn't gain anything. Talk doesn't achieve anything. Let me give it to you a good hexal language. Talk is cheap. It doesn't, doesn't produce anything. It, it just loses time and it wastes your breath. <laughs> I like it when people come up to me and they said, you know what you should do, preacher? And they tell me their idea for what I should do. I think I've got a new response for it. Well, it sounds like the Lord is telling you to do that. Because he didn't give me that idea. He gave it to you. I'll preach, I'm not suggesting anything. I'm not talking about how could we better, you know, clean the carpets or we should do this, preaching, we should do that. That sounds great. And it's interesting to me that God put it in your heart before he put it in mine. And in God's working, he's, he, God's not calling me to that. He's just calling me to talk about it. Whatever you do for God, he'll take record of. And he will reward you for. <laughs> I wrote down, sounds like God gave you the idea, so why don't you do it? And I'll pray for you. And I'll be behind you, amen. And I'll support you. Notice here tonight, there's prosperity labor. What work are you doing from the abundance of riches that you have in Christ? Are you more known for what you're doing or just what you're talking about doing? We see the prosperity of labor. We see the proper attitude. And finally tonight, we see the prominent display. Look at verse number 24. The crowd of the wise is their riches, but the foolishness of fools is folly. Try to read that last portion of that verse five times fast. <laughs> foolishness of the fools is the folly. But we see here tonight, the crowd of the wise is their riches. Now, I've got a philosophy concerning sports. If I look like I can play, then you might think I actually can play. What do you mean by that, preacher? When it comes to golf, I've got, in my house, I've got a golf bag. It's got name brand clubs in it. It's got a custom set of golf clubs in it. It's a name brand bag. I've got Pro V1X uh, golf balls in the bag. I've got special uh, tees that have been designed. And here's my, and I've got, you know, the, 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 the name brand clothes. And I, here's my theory. If I wear all of that and I carry all that out to the golf course before the first tee, my idea is that if I look like I can play, you're going to think I can play. And it's going to get in your brain. It's going to get in your mind. And I, I'm going to psych you out. And I'm going to beat you. As long as you hit the ball, golf ball first. Because <laughs> as soon as I hit it, you're going to say, that guy has nothing. 
I've got a, I've, I do have a custom set of golf clubs. They're just not custom made for me. I bought them at a yard sale. <laughs> That's my philosophy. If I look like I'm, I can play, then you might think I can play. And we see here tonight, I, I <laughs> said, Preacher, how good are you at golf? I'm so good I haven't played in three years. Every time I walk into my shed, there's my golf clubs. They said, well, will you take me to the course today? I said, no, it costs $40 to take you to the course. I got a bag of Frisbees in the back of the car that don't cost anything to go play. <laughs> Have you ever seen somebody, though, and you could tell they had money? You could just tell by looking at them. You're not being judgmental. It's just an observation by the way they walk or maybe by the car they got out of or whatever. You could step and say, man, that person's got money. Either they've got money or they're in debt up to their eyeballs. And they look happy, so they must have money and not in debt. Right? It just, it just, it just radiates from that sense. Let me ask you, if, if we're so rich in Christ, can anybody tell it? Does it just radiate off of us? <laughs> that fellow's got something that I ain't got. He, 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 it seems like there's, there's something different about him. Notice what the Bible says right here in verse number 24. The crown of the wise is their riches. Let me ask you, how do you know a man is a king? He wears a crown. When you see a man in a, unless you're in America, where we don't have kings, but you go over to England, you go down whatever that street is there in England and London and all that kind of stuff, uh, and you see that man as Charles walks out, he's got a crown on his head. Everyone's going to say, that's the king. How do you know? He's got a crown. It is displayed. It is, it is publicly uh, being portrayed to those that are around him. And the Bible said the crown of the wise. What is the crown of the wise? Look at verse number 24. Is there what? Riches. In essence, those riches that we have because Christ dwells inside of us tonight, that is the crown by which the people around us say, hey, there is something different about this person. How do you identify a king by his crown? How should you be able to identify a Christian by the evident, evident riches of Christ in his life? He'll sound different. They'll look different. They'll talk different. They'll live different. Not because they're better than. They just have the riches of Christ. I don't know about you tonight, but if, you, if physically speaking or economically speaking, you came into a windfall of money, you had that, that rich uncle who leaves behind all that money to you and, and now your lifestyle has changed. You can afford a nice house. You can afford a reliable car. You can, you can afford all the things you could not afford before. Only a fool would say, you know what? I'm going to leave all this behind and go back to the way that I used to live. The reality is in the Christian life, how do we, how do, how do we signify and how do we, how do we show a difference to this world? It's not becoming like them. But rather it's saying, listen, I, I used to do exactly what you used to do. I used to live how, exactly how you used to live. And I, I remember what it was like trying to make it through life with no hope and no, no understanding and no purpose. But one day I met a rich king. His name is Jesus Christ. And he moved in on the inside and he gave me all that I needed. His grace is sufficient. His mercy is new every morning. His love is eternal. His power is evident in my life. And can I tell you, once you get on this side, you'll never have to go back over there. And we see tonight the prominent display. Let me ask you, are, is your richness in Christ on full display for others to see? Are you trying to, to fit in with the poor crowd? 
I think the least liked person would be somebody who is rich trying to pretend like they're poor. But at the same time tonight, as a person who is rich in Christ, I'm not trying to fit in in that sense. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. But at the same time, I'm not trying to flaunt my money either. I'm simply saying, hey, listen, on this side of Calvary, things are a whole lot better. Things Things are wonderful over here. I've got peace. I've got joy. I've got contentment. Tonight, I don't know about you, but I want to wear my crown. I want to wear my crown wisely and display the riches of Christ in my life. We see a prominent display. We see the prosperity of labor. We see the proper attitude tonight. Let me ask you tonight, what are you doing with your riches? What are you doing with your riches this evening? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly